0: He's the one guy that can match the Michigan three-point shooters, Luke Hancock, and he's done it to the tune of trying to get his team on the lead. And up ahead, Deceiva. Oh! and by Harold, and just like that, in the blink of an eye, Louisville comes from 12 down to
1: take the lead. Hello, and welcome to What High School Did You Go To? I'm Gabe DeVirge. I'm Chris Hatfield. Gabe, how are you? I'm doing well, Chris, about as well as you can do when your team has lost five of the last seven games.
0: Yeah, I mean... Full disclosure right now, I have like this bootleg stream up of the Lakers because it's 105 <laughs> to 101 and they're playing the Memphis Grizzlies, which a may must be the win. Uh, well, a yeah, must I mean, it's win. it's definitely one of those must win games. They may be the worst team in the league that's that's non tank worthy. And it's there's a minute left and it's a real thing that could happen. So we can talk about Louisville, you know, being five of seven. But the Lakers also <laughs> are just in the purgatory. I do have a question before we get to this. This this team uh, that's NBA related
1: we for you. To, we need to like name this like Chris's opening shot or like. Oh, uh, dude, like that. yeah, like, we need we, need, we have
0: to have like some kind of uh, wonderful segment name for this. But yeah. so so, how does Gabe feel about Ray Bettino being perfectly okay with all the moves that the Knicks are making? Is that is that a good <laughs> sign or a bad sign or what?
1: Someone sent this to me today, and I think it's a. I think it's a bad sign. I don't know, man. <laughs> I feel like maybe maybe it's a good sign. Um, I, it's just it's super weird. It's um, is, I, I, I don't even it know. Kind of like everything, me, like
0: the time change in Greece, I guess is probably four or five hours. I would say, minimally speaking, I guess I could have just looked this up right now. Let's see, time <laughs> it's, in it's Greece. five hours, I believe. Okay, it's five hours, right? So it just it's funny to me to think about. Rick Pitino giving takes is actually longer than that. It's it's seven hours. Um, it's just seven giving hours take,
1: huh. yeah, it's five 22 AM okay. there right now. So, um, oh, wow. they've got to yeah. be in a weird zone. That doesn't make it anyway. Nonetheless.
0: <laughs> yeah. It just, no, it makes me laugh. Rick Pitino, just giving takes about sporting events, like as he witnesses them. Cause he, I mean, he gives these takes about college basketball. And I know we just either watching reruns or right. catching, catching what he can. And the thought of that to a guy that wasn't really ever in that realm when he was in the, this has been like a reoccurring theme. Like us just having Ripatino moments on this podcast, almost every, every show that we have now. And it, I don't know. just, just a shadow figure
1: in the, uh, in the what high school, Expanded universe And It it, it happens No I think And the thing about Chris Or um, The thing about Patino That people I think like Sort of forget I don't think they forget But he's just like A voracious fan Of basketball In general Like I remember every summer he would come in sort of in the like August time period and just talk about things that he saw in the NBA that he wanted to implement. And I remember at one point I was fully like one season, I was fully convinced he was going to implement like the, the Warriors offense that they have now, yeah. like the, the lineup of death. And we were just going to rain three pointers, which I was totally yeah, so I mean, down with. So I think like his expertise. So it's all, I don't know. I'm kind of leaning towards it's. to be a good thing that he's on board with the Knicks because I think he knows more about professional basketball than probably a lot of the people who are on the, the yeah, next front dude, office. <laughs>
0: the Lakers are about to totally drop this game. I didn't even know Joe Kim Noah was at, with the Grizzlies. I'm seeing tweets saying
1: Joe Kim. Dude,
0: he's at the free uh, <laughs> throw free free line icing this game. And That's quick backstory to, to Joe Kim Noah is at the, I don't, I don't know if it's 2000, the, the final four that Florida and UCLA was in, I guess 2008. Yeah, I, I went to that final four because my dad is a massive UCLA fan. <laughs> um, yelled something to do- joke Noah as he was coming out of the locker room and dude flicked me off <laughs> so 13 year old me. kid and that's no there's some real beef and he just iced this game for with the grizzly so it continues but
1: and he just like whispered at the camera this is for yelling something at me <laughs> <The> yeah, <08. laughs> <yeah>. he, he
0: <laughs> definitely has to know what's going on right now he's going to follow me the rest of my life and um, it, it'll probably you know capsize with the Lakers offering him
1: some ridiculous
0: <laughs> contract because that kind of just happens but <laughs> let's talk Louisville
1: um, yeah real quick real quick Chris before we get started I for totally I didn't even like write it in our doc until just now I totally forgot uh, we have a uh, a little bit of a big announcement Announcement to make um, for those of you who use Reddit.com, oh, yeah. who are subscribers to r/slash All Hail, which is the UFL sports subreddit. I will be doing an AMA and ask me everything this Friday. I believe the thread will be posted on Thursday so you can insert some questions. I'll answer them uh, at some point during the day on Friday. But I wanted to let the listeners know first first before everyone, I want to thank the guys at All Hail who I I believe uh, a few of them listen to the podcast who helped get this set up. So I want to thank those guys. So I'll definitely be tweeting about it, posting about it. But uh, yeah, that's coming up this week. So I want to before we even like get started talking about all the crappy things, I wanted to talk about that sort of fun, cool news. Yeah, absolutely, oh, yeah
0: man. Yeah. So yeah, uh, we'll be definitely we'll be looking it. forward to that for sure. Yeah. Um. So you you te- kind of just want to start like with your opinion and just branch off from there because you texted me like eight minutes after the game and you're like, I, I have my team take and I'm just like, <laughs> OK. Wonderful. So, I mean, I okay. want to get into to Christian Cunningham and some of the things he said. And there's there's Mac. There's which, there's a of, lot, there's a there's a lot yeah. of stuff where you want to go. So let's just let's just start with you and branch from there.
1: Okay, which I'm glad you mentioned Christian Cunningham because and he sort of comes into my take at this point. So so my take here, my the it it sort of starts before the game when I think it was before Syracuse that Quan 4 Spoke at the press conference that uh, Chris Mack always does the day before a game. And quan Four mentioned that the team had had an all players meeting, a players only meeting, which, you know, we're just joking about. The NBA is always a terrible sign in the NBA. Sign number the- one. It, that's a bad sign when the team has a players only meeting but the, but i and i will honestly like i didn't i don't i'm not taking at the, i'm not taking that in a super negative connotation yet but my point and my question for anyone who is asking i don't know if i posed it to you chris and i'll pose it to you now who do you think led that meeting chris
0: christian who was cunningham. the
1: leader christian cunningham potentially right right my point here, and, and I think, you know, it, it, it will come in here. I'll explain sort of during the game is that I don't think that Louisville has an aggressive leader. I think okay. Christian Cunningham is a quiet leader. He's a calming force. He's been a calming force at several points of this season. Don't get me wrong. He has been a massive part to when Louisville succeeds. It's because of Christian Cunningham completely agree with that. But I think his leadership style differs from some of the great and legendary U of L leaders that you've had in the past. Your Montreus you your Russ Smith's, um, guys, your your Terrence Williams's guys across the the time periods that you have seen, their leadership was aggressive. It was loud, it was outspoken. They would make a very large basket, an and one, a dunk, and they would flex at the camera. They would pump up the team that is not Christian Cunningham style, am I correct? You would say.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to let you finish this because I'm glad to hear because I have a I thing, I have a take on this too. So yeah, uh, I would agree with that though.
1: So I think, Chris, my point here is that I think this team, for where it's at today on February the 25th, in those last 10 minutes of games. Where they are blowing leads Where they are unable to to do much Of anything, they don't Necessarily need a quiet guy Who's going to be there in the under 8 Timeout and just calm everyone down They need a guy who's going to point At people in the faces, who's going to Point at the bigs and be like, we need You to get rebounds, we need you to make Baskets in one-on-one situations And is going to point to the guys who are missing Open threes, they're like, we need you to Knock down those threes in the corner We need you to be there for us, we need you to not turn the ball over. And I don't think there's that guy on the team that provides the leadership. And when it comes to those big timeout situations, um, I, I think they're all looking at Chris Mack and Chris Mack can only be that guy for so often. He right. can't be there on the court to be that presence. He can't go up to guys after, you know, when there's little seconds and tap guys on the back, like you got this uh, a, a more aggressive leadership style. And again this is not a knock on Christian Cunningham I think he has been electric for this team he has been invaluable uh, he has been a critical part but I think this team where it is mentally in a mental toughness situation mental toughness which Chris Mack mentioned during this uh he mentioned during the post game show or the post game interview press conference against against Virginia, that it's more of a mental toughness thing than a physical toughness. It's having the guys get down on themselves and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. They're looking around, they're looking for someone to make a play and no one does it when they just need a guy, you know, just like Montrez Harrell would do. He would go in when they, when they needed, when those offenses were putrid, but when they needed to make a run, Montrez Harrell would, would, would find a way to get an out to get an alley-oop finish. He would get an and one through contact. He would make those big plays that can electrify just look at you me. And, and, that, and exactly. that was scary enough, exactly. I would say. And it was sort of a leadership by, you know, this guy's this guy needs me to be there in an aggressive way. Right. And I don't see that on this team. And there was a period of time, I do want to say, during this Virginia game, where I said, Oh wow, uh, you know, Dwayne Sutton, he's making these threes, he's flexing, he's getting the crowd up. Maybe he was that guy. Maybe he can be that guy. And he sort of faded away sort of how everyone did once those three stop hitting in the second half. So that's my that's my my take. My take in a sentence is there is a void for aggressive leadership on this team that that they just have. Honestly, I
0: think part of the reason that Louisville needs a guy like that is because we spent uh, half of a season last year where a lot of people felt sorry for the team. Right. Um, And I do think that angle um, by some local media um, has been a little overplayed. But I I think that I, I, I think that started to actually seep out a little bit even into this year because they have been a group of guys that when it, when everything's gone really well from Lo, for Louisville, it's gone really really well. <laughs> Saw it against North Carolina. They poured on, they poured on. But oh, right. when things go badly, there's nothing. There's no. There's no stoppage. There's nothing exactly. to fix that leak. And like you said, maybe it's leadership. But I think that's part of the the whole reason. I, I think is some guys have just felt sorry for themselves and they've kind of been stuck in that that mental mental way and I and I think based on some of the post-game comments that Christian Cunningham has given over the last few games I think the light bulb is turning on for him that they need that guy I don't know that he's capable of that guy right but I also think at the same time he's just like what the hell like if these guys are still worried about Duke this is college basketball I'm not worried about it anymore they need to wake up they need to get it together and I'm right there with him I don't think I I think the whole like Duke thing. Like I think it matters, but I don't think it ma I don't think it costs him to lose by 20 right. against Syracuse. I, I don't I, think it costs him to blow a 10 point game against
1: Virginia. I think um, it stifled their creativity. I think it stifled their ability to like Kanye <laughs> I think I that, absolutely you know absolutely completely agree. You know I always say yes to <laughs> when you say that. But I do think it 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 has stifled the way that they can play uniquely that first 30 minutes against duke they were they were just doing all kinds of different things and now i just think they're so the team is so okay with keep trying to fit the square peg into the round hole even when it's not working which it was working that first 20 minutes against virginia they were you know they were hitting you know, 59% from three, I believe after that first half.
0: Oh yeah. So, it was, it was absurd, but that was kind of my thought process through the whole thing was the offensive game plan for Virginia, any different than it was against Syracuse. I mean, the defensive game plan was different. We saw the one thirty one, and obviously you didn't have the guy in the middle of the zone, but the say, it looked a lot of the same offense for me, it was pick and pop and then jack up threes. When you, when you find, find an open look. Um, I mean, that's not sustainable. It certainly didn't work against Syracuse because they just kept extending the zone further and further away. I I completely agree. You're just jacking up 35 footers. But to me, it didn't look very different against Virginia,
1: honestly. And you're touching and you're touching on something here that I I think we definitely want to get to. And it's how much of this is on Chris Mack. How much of this is on the team and it's on Chris Mack? Cause I know, I know you've got some opinions on it and and I definitely would love to hear them.
0: Look, man, I think <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I'm at a weird place to begin with because unlike other people, I went into the season thinking that Louisville could make the NCAA tournament. Right. I don't, I didn't go with the, I don't know if it was a general notion that was just because A couple guys on the radio and a couple guys on TV said that this should be the expectation for Louisville, that that was the expectation amongst the fan base. I can't really say one way or another. I would say it was closer to 50-50 than, you know, 80-20, like some people seem to think it is. But I went into the season expecting Louisville to be a bubble team with the hope to make the the NCAA tournament. So right there, my expectation apparently started a little bit higher than some other people. Right. And then we got to this place where Louisville was winning all these games. They were playing, you know, they played Tennessee well, obviously, um, beat Michigan State at home. The North Carolina game happened. So we raised those expectations. We were heaping praise on Chris Mack, coach of the year, all this, all that. But then things start going sour, and I hear – don't blame Chris Mack. It's not the player spot. It's not Chris Mack's spot, but it's the same. Uh, that logic doesn't really follow me when you, when you can kind of give praise when all these things are going well, but some things start to falter and us criticizing or analyzing the coaching isn't, isn't the correct, um, correct reaction. And I just don't think that's right. I think part of this has been against Chris has been uh, partly Chris Mack. Um, I think the Syracuse game a lot more, uh, than what we saw against Virginia, but yeah, I mean, that's definitely how I feel in a nutshell.
1: No, and I think i I think I don't think I don't know I, I i I agree this is a really interesting place to be sort of as a team because I think there are many things that can be true. I think. Chris Mack has something to do with it. I do I don't think that Chris Mack is outmatched in the ACC. I want to make that clear. But I do think his unfamiliarity with the coaches who play these same styles that that you get to learn them after two or three or five years that has hurt him. I think years Patino had the uh he had the great benefit of having decades of understanding of Jim Bayheim's zone. So sure. sometimes they would, you know, sometimes I think he just didn't have the team to play very well, but we always played Syracuse well and Syracuse always played us well. Right. That's they, 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 they those were always close games both ways. Um, I think Chris Mack, you know, it's the same thing with Virginia. I think there was a level of, unfamiliarity with how would they do some things. But I think his, but then you kind of get interesting things where, you know, like they're able to just punch UNC in the mouth and, and run away just like freaking ransack Capitol, you know, or, um, Chapel Hill with, 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 uh, that game in, in January. So I think it's this really weird, Yes, Chris Mack. I think Chris Mack's game plans. I don't know. I I, I don't. I can't blame I mean, Chris Mack for his two bigs being unable, literally, getting their shit thrown at them in one-on-one situations, which is just unheard of. I've I've literally never seen bigs like that in one-on-one situations just get demolished. If you're in a two, if there's a double cover, you know, if you're getting double down low, maybe you get. St- of blocks thrown at you, but Diakite just dominating our bigs consistently. I don't know how much Chris Mack can do against that. Yeah, you know? I mean,
0: here's, like, here's the, here's the questions I would say that I have for Chris Mack. One would be the Florida state game, the Duke game, the Syracuse games, post Post-game press conference, first ten minutes of the game, the word "effort" was used multiple times. Right, probably the fewest against Duke. Uh, I don't think he said that that much against Duke. I, I don't think there was a question of the team's effort, but I think Florida right. State and QC definitely mentioned it. Post Virginia was the first time publicly. I've seen him really kind of go after a group of his players. Like he did the big man simply said, uh, I don't even remember what, what we got from the bigs. I think it was like six of 15 shooting something absurd like that. And simply said,
1: yeah, simply said that's not good. More. Yeah. You've, that's not good enough. You've got to get better.
0: But my question is we watched, we watched the Syracuse game and we saw how the offense was going. Do we not think we need to get more from the bigs after that game? (laughs) I, I mean I, that that would be yeah. one of my questions, and the other question that I have from purely a coaching aspect would be, uh, based on the Syracuse game, the length of time that Dwayne Sutton said and as kind of that zone buster row and looked completely uncomfortable. I agree. And why, agree. why a change didn't happen sooner? And uh, uh, look, man. I mean, that's it. These are not uh, these are not like critical things. There's no, no one saying. And I'm right with you. I don't think that Chris Mack is outmatched in the ACC. I think he is right up there, and eventually will be right up there with the top guys in the league, with your Tony Bennett, with your Roy Williams. I think he is that caliber coach. But this fan base destroyed Rick Bettino for yeah. <laughs> Eight to nine seasons. And for me to say one cross thing about Chris Mack on Twitter, you would have thought I killed an animal on live Instagram. I mean, it was it, to me. It's just it, it, it's a little much.
1: No, I think, you know, I'm with you. I, I completely understand. I th- I don't I I'm frustrated. I think the fan base is just so fractured and everyone's in this weird place because we had these expectations at the beginning of the season. Then those, as you mentioned, those those expectations grew. We we came into this month of February assuming this was a second weekend tournament team. And you can't adjust them now. You can't, you can't like, adjust well, them. Now. Well, it's okay.
0: We're, we're going to make not, the turn. It just listen, doesn't work that way.
1: If you're listening to this podcast and you're you're saying out loud, "Oh, I, but that wasn't my expectation at the beginning of the season. I'm okay with that. That's fine. That's you. I completely understand. I wish I could be you. I wish I could be you. But I saw this team go to Chapel Hill and win by 20 points. I saw this team beat a a – a Michigan State team that is literally was literally better than well, was more suited for March then than it is now and right. win pretty, pretty well. I saw them go up against Tennessee and hold their own for a period of time. I saw them hold their own against Marquette for a long period of time. So don't tell me, that I now should be okay with losing by 20 plus points to Syracuse, who is who is not good. They're not a good team. Yes, they're going to make the tournament. They're going to be a 10, maybe a nine seed, but they're not making out of the first weekend.
0: Right. And, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that Michigan State team because they did something that. uh, I was under the impression that no team could do. And they went and beat a top five opponent on the road without their two best players. And you want to talk about toughness and you want to talk about being unbreakable. Yes, That exemplifies it right there. And listen,
1: Chris Mack is still, I agree with you. Chris Mack. He's, he is a younger coach. He is, there is going to be time to be taken. I, you know, Does Rick? He's he's learning. He's learning. And I think there's that that's for me, that has been the grung pain that has been the well, you know, I get why he got the technical against Virginia, but you can't get that technical at that time against Virginia. You can't do it. I get why he got it. I would have gotten the technical, but you can't get that technical at that period of time, no matter how shit the call is. You can't I mean,
0: do dude, it. I'm, I'm watching that game and we're up 10. Yeah. And it's 5 5 minutes into the second half and it's a two-point game and that game's over. I, right. I don't re- I don't recall a time that I've been in that situation. Maybe some points last year um with this team, I don't even think it was to this extreme, but I don't know that I've been at a point with the Louisville basketball team that they have been leading a ranked team like that and been battling a ranked team like that. And I just thought with 15 minutes less than the half that the game was over. And I think that, that says a lot about kind of where we're
1: at. And And it's hard to listen. I mean, like, I don't, you know, I think you made a really good point in response to this idea of fatigue. I don't think, Excuse me. I don't. Th- I don't think it's a fatigue issue. As physically, I mean, as you said, Chris Cunningham played more minutes last season and the season before than he's played now. Yes,
0: completely agree. He also has the lowest usage rate on the team in conference play.
1: There you way. go. So more, more back up there. To, I, to compl- I completely concur with you, but I do think that Chris Mack. Uh, Expected to get more from two players on his bench that he has got, than, than okay. he has gotten. He expected to have an option for when Jordan Noro was not performing well in VJ King. He expected to have a no- other guard to throw in when Ryan McMahon wasn't doing much of anything. And when Kristen Cunningham obviously needed a breather, because I think I, I don't think he's tired. Uh, I don't think he's tired physically, but I do think he's at some points has been mentally fatigued in running the offense. And I think he kind That's of, it gets settled in a position where I don't know what to do. So let's just keep doing what we've been trying to do all game. And he doesn't have a rest from that because every time Darius Perry comes into the game and runs point, he's either dribbling the ball off his foot or making a ridiculous pass that turns into, and, I, and I,
0: I don't feel this way, but I will play devil's advocate and say to some people would say to Chris Mack, you had opportunities to go get plenty of grad transfers <laughs> no, and you mess up yeah. some guys. You have a, you have a top 25, you have a guy in Darius Perry who doesn't fit your system. I get it, but it wasn't like there weren't other big time schools that didn't want him coming out of college. He's a talented
1: guy. I mean, hindsight, I I, I, I mean, hindsight's always going to be 2020, you know, you and I, we at the beginning of the season, if we, if someone had told us this was going to be the season that Darius Perry was going to have, we would have laughed in their faces. We would have. We did not assume this regression. Yes, he didn't fit the system. I did not expect him to be borderline unplayable. I didn't. I don't think anyone expected that to be basically unplayable.
0: Uh, How do you explain just Steven Enoch playing the way he did against Duke and just being who he has been the last two games? Because that has been something I've
1: been thinking about, and I just can't wrap my head around it. I don't know. I don't know. And 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 I don't know, like something something I was saying on the way out, something I noticed. I don't know, man, like Diakite. I mean, the man looked like he was he was Tim Duncan down there. His parents were his or uh, his guardians, I believe, were in the house. As uh, Someone told me I uh, saw some people, with some Diakite shirts on. Maybe that was a factor for him. Um, But he you're right. You're right. He made big. Steven Enoch and uh to a lesser degree Malik Williams so I I who I mentioned this last episode I he's not he has regressed over the point the, this season and I, I get why uh Mac is still starting Malik Williams I get why he's doing that but I I don't recall the last stretch time where he's been really effective I yeah. can't think of it just off the top of the head um Virginia so, Tech maybe Virginia Tech maybe yeah that's probably it um I don't know. It's just been, it's, I think... It's a combination of I mean There's definitely Like you said Like things like uh, Dwayne Sutton Being Being the screener At the top of the Free throw line For the zone That obviously Went too long Especially when we saw uh, Jordan Jordan Wara uh, Do a better job of it In the closing minutes Of the first half so I, I didn't understand Why that kept going I also think that Some of these uh, Some of the inbound plays That we've seen Especially towards the end Of the the Clemson game I think at some point Max got to be like Okay we're going to we're going to get guys to come off the screen to get them open and inbounds. Like you got to do something different. Like it's just, it's obviously you got to install something else. So I think some of those, some some of those small things are there that I like that. I'm just like, why hasn't Mac done this? But do I think that makes the difference between where we potentially could be and where we are now? Not necessarily. I'm not, I I don't, I don't put those, those small button presses as the difference.
0: I think the only game that I can say there was a glaring coaching disparity was the Syracuse game. Yeah. Um, and I, I just really feel that way. And that doesn't even mean that necessarily that that's going to be the case for Chris Max' rest of the career. Those games happen. They yeah. happen to Repetino. They happen to John oh, Calabari. Awesome. They happen to every guy. So you some, sometimes you're just out coached. Um, and that's that's a difficult, difficult team to prepare for. Um, I did like... Uh, we talk. a lot, we've talked a lot of 30 minutes about the things that we've been kind of frustrated with. So uh, I think <laughs> it bears mentioning a few things that we did see positive. I did like yeah. the one, three, one against
1: Virginia. Um, I've been kind of wondering where that's, where that's been. Yeah, uh, but, but I but think, I think Virginia figured it out. I think it was like five minutes into the second half and it was clear that it wasn't, it wasn't working anymore. I think they yeah. got a few, the few, like two alley-oops off of it or two easy buckets. Um, and it just was, I don't they know. They started to really get the back door. They started to really get the back door open on it, and I just, I, I get why. Like, I think it was good. It worked for twenty minutes, but I think Virginia is also. I, I, I don't want to discount the fact that Louisville's playing much tougher teams. I mm-hmm. don't want to discount the fact that North Carolina came into the came into the Yum Center and said, "We're not losing to these guys twice." I'm not going to discount the fact that Duke is. You would, you know, gun your head. There's not a person in America that would say a team besides Duke as their national championship today, assuming Zion Williams plays, which it, it all all signs point to that. Right. Um, Virginia is Virginia. You know, all jokes aside, one of 16, but they're a great team. They're a top five team. Um, so, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna act like that's not a factor here, but I think I get frustrated. I've heard some people um, in the media and on Twitter say, well, at least we know for the first 30 minutes that we will be, you know, in, in, March madness, we'll be in a situation where this team can compete with anyone. Cause that's just plain baloney. Given the fact that they've played terrible final 20, 10 minutes over and over and over and over. Yeah. And I, and I guess that's like, it comes
0: down to a point of basically right there. How much do you put on the shoulders of a coach? How much composure his team has and how much do you really put? I I think if it was, this was Chris Mack's system and he'd been coaching here for three years and you saw his team with this type of composure, you could absolutely crush him because I I think he would deserve it. Yeah. But the difference is we have a point guard that, Played most of his career at Sanford. Yeah. We have a guy backing him up that is completely not fit for this system. He's too erratic to play. You have VG, VJ King, who you can't play, who just yeah. happens to be a McDonald's All American. And then you have, I mean, you have Kwan Four, who's very valuable, but it's four on five at the other side of the wall. So, for the major, uh,
1: yeah, for most of the time, agree. Uh, I
0: agree. I mean, that that's kind of just how I feel. Um, I, I do have this have a question about do you think that this could be a team that maybe just like I think if you look at their NCAA tournament aspirations, you can totally still see them being a a sweet 16 team or just, you know, bowing out in the first round. Yeah, I, I I do wonder if this team gets away from just playing conference opponents, if that helps them at all.
1: I, I think anything anything is on the table, and uh, I, I don't remember who I saw, but I, I saw someone sort of compare this team uh, to the Elite Eight team that Chris Mack had a few years ago. I believe it was 2017. Um, yeah. So uh, this the the 2017 uh, Xavier Musketeers, they started the season. They started conference play eight and three, and then they went on to lose six straight games and ended this season with a win versus right. our good old pals, DePaul. And I mean, they lost their first game of it against Villanova. They got crushed by Villanova. I think this was the first year Villanova won the title. Um so then, but then besides that, it's Providence, Marquette. You know, not teams that were even ranked in the top twenty-five of of Ken Palm. Then they turn around, they win two games in the Big East tournament, lose to Creighton, I believe, in the semifinal, and then they just make a run. They beat Maryland uh, in the, as an eleven seed. They beat Maryland, a six seed, forty-six in, in Ken Palm. They beat Florida State, a three seed, 26th in Ken Palm. Uh, then Arizona, who I. Don't recall what seed they were. And then they lose to Gonzaga, who, you know, uh, you know, made the final four. They were national. I think they were – that was um, – they were national runners up that year maybe. I'm sure, blanking on this. Yeah, I,
0: sure. think I think they were national runners up that year. I think this is that the Gonzaga. The they finally broke through. Yeah. I'm yeah.
1: yeah um, so I, I, I just – I use that as a case in point that I think Chris Mack has been here before.
0: Yeah. It seems like in
1: a Uh, nutshell that his, his
0: teams kind of have a history of uh, outplaying their seed, but also kind of choking when they're a high seed. So you take the good with the bad, I guess. But, um, Yeah, man, Uh, I it was funny. I did hear someone I believe it was maybe wasn't able to listen to much talk radio today, but I think I heard Jason Anderson talking about how if if you follow seeding principles, if Louisville somehow fell to, I guess, the highest eight seed. Yeah. And Louisville was a one seed, and or not Louisville was a one seed. If Kentucky was a one seed in Columbus, that those two following bracket principles would be in the same region together, which
1: would just honestly for how weird this this season's kind of been. That that would be the only potential like uh, Right. That's just like logical, logical for how illogical this has gone. <laughs> I think that would be a fitting cap.
0: Them playing like Louisville, playing a nine seed in like Minnesota and then meeting Kentucky and Columbus um, for, for a chance to go to the second weekend.
1: That would just be man. That would, And like I would just like and, you know, they would play Kentucky so strong you know, they would just, Oh
0: yeah, it it would probably, it would probably be another, like, you know, a a game where they have a, a decent lead at the halftime and just completely blow it. And it just, it would probably be like all the, all the things that we discussed all season happened in five minutes. Steven, Enoch hits a couple of threes, but then also it's just completely fouls out. Maybe. I, I, I don't know. It would be some type of absurdity like that. You do have a few like numbers down here in the notes. I don't know if you just kind of want to want to go through some of those, because I do think those are uh,
1: some of these. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go through them. So. I, so as I mentioned, you know, just to show you kind of how rough it's been for Louisville. So as I mentioned, they've lost four or five. Uh, five of the last seven. Uh, They are now unranked, although they're down to the 22nd spot, just the 22nd spot in the NET rankings. So again, as I tweeted earlier, if you missed my tweets, do not worry about this team missing the tournament. They are not missing the tournament. If they lose the next three games, if they lose to Boston College, if they lose to Notre Dame, and if they all, as we assume, lose to Virginia, they are not going to miss the NCAA tournament. They have too many big wins. They legitimately have two or, you know, one of the best wins of any resume in at, you know, winning by 20 points at UNC. And then they have a top, another top 10 win against MSU. So let us, let us not, you know, just relax. Just, just someone pulled the Aaron Rodgers. Relax, R E L A X, relax. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Uh, Now they got ACC stats from Ken Palm. Uh, Turnover percentage eighteen point seven five percent. They are turning the ball over on nearly one fifth of all possessions, Chris. Which is Uh, absolutely absurd. Just bananas. Uh, Their offensive percentage, uh, offensive rebounding percentage, is just twenty seven point nine percent. That means the you know over seventy percent of offensive uh, possessions, they are not getting a second chance at it. That's uh, that's bananas. Uh, 43% of points scored are two-point field goals, Chris. That's 14th in the league. There are 16 teams in the league, or 15 teams in the league.
0: Uh, And that's that's the one that is the most like noticeable just over the course of the last two games, because yes, yes. like the I mean, the Virginia game, it was obvious. I don't think they got a two point basket until about the one or two minute mark in the first half when they only scored that little
1: floater. Yeah, they only scored like four or five the whole game. So it's. Yeah, it's uh they, and against against Syracuse they were really unable to penetrate that at all and the as we we've talked enough about uh you know Dwayne Sutton and even Jordan Wara when he was at the the free throw line uh, really difficult getting that that mid that midway shot to fall. So yeah, that's a really odd thing cuz and also, you know we've been talking, we talked a lot before conference play started about getting to the free throw line, how good this team was at the free throw line, how well they shoot from the free throw line. They're only get, you know, their, their field goal or free throws attempts over field goals, attempts. So only 28% of their attempts are coming from the stripe. That's 10th in the league. And that's just criminal for a team that's that shoots that as well as very often. They, Yeah. And that was, criminal. I mean,
0: that was kind of a team that was, that was something that we thought, I think one of the questions I had going in this season is I think it was probably on most Louisville fans, man, is like what the identity would be. And that was one of those things that this team is really building their identity around was getting to the free throw line and being a team that lives off the free throw line. And that's, that's definitely something that's went to the wayside over the last few games for sure.
1: No, it doesn't, it, it doesn't make much sense to me at all. And, um, so it's it's just you, go ahead, Go ahead.
0: Do you make much of the uh, the Cunningham uh, kind of inadvertently calling his team soft? I mean, he didn't come straight out and say it, but uh, let me find the exact quote, because we basically said the hot take is I don't know if I'm paraphrasing or not. The hot take is that the Duke game has took something away from us. If that's the case, then we're soft. Basically is what he said, right?
1: I think he may have said that's soft and okay. that, that i think that's soft. if i recall that's like the but but it's the same thing i don't think i don't think that's much different in terms of semantic yeah. i mean that's i i agree I, I mean and i i think i retweeted i'm like i mean like yeah it's soft <laughs> that's it's soft cuz and i i i hope it means something i don't know chris i mean we had we've had what three weeks in a row where we've had these kinds of conversations the first week, I think I said, Oh, be really good for this team, uh, to go play outside of Louisville. I think I said, and then they went and they, um, you know, they beat Virginia tech and they lost to, uh, Florida state. Or I think that was in regards before, before Syracuse. And they just like, they, they, of course they, you know, laid an egg against Syracuse. Um, I said that now I'm saying and I, I I don't know, this is kind of my thing right now is that I'm glad they didn't kind of stay 24th or 25th in the uh, AP poll because I don't think they deserve a number next to their name right now. And I think that's something a chip on their shoulder. Hopefully uh, that didn't work very well again against Syracuse with the whole Seth Davis uh, scouting report thing They were joking Oh yeah we're definitely Using that um, right. That didn't really work But Maybe it works now I don't know I mean I think you said I, Also what you said It's like Not having to play teams In the league Will maybe help And also I I just want to say this Boston College Played Louisville Really strong
0: at, yeah. at, at Louisville Dude that was I mean that was a game That I don't know if you remember Like two or three months ago When we were talking about Just the long range view of this team that was a game when Louisville was kind of rolling that for some reason or another just kind of worried me a little bit because Boston College has two capable scorers and you know the biggest of those two being Kyle Bowman um and he kind of led that charge made it a very respectable game and for a team that's that's had the composure that that this team has had over the last three games it's definitely not one you circle I don't think that we really talked enough about just how bad of a loss, not necessarily name recognition. I mean, you lose at Florida state. That's fine. But the way that Louisville lost that game, I don't think we really talked about that enough.
1: No, we did. not
0: like, I think it was just kind of one of those. Well, it sucked. You move on, but I think the Duke games has played a part, but I think the early signs, the blueprint was established against Florida state, how to beat this right.
1: game. Yeah. I, I completely agree. And, uh, it was, I mean, it was feast or famine on Christian Cunningham. It was, uh, it was, it was pressure that guy. I mean, you saw Virginia. Literally, Virginia. They tried for the entire game. Yeah, they tried to have the guy. Uh, did, what was his name? Did you just say his uh, uh, I number can't remember zero? His name
0: for anything? Nothing. He's he's the backup guard. start the season.
1: Hey yeah. Clark is his name. Yeah, zero. and he was just his role was to be a gnat on Christian Cunningham. And it's There's like everybody's going to do that either. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> every team is going to do that now. He's 5 foot 9. So every team is just going to do that now. Every team is just going to bo- try and bother Chris and Cunningham, try and get him to to make mistakes. And why wouldn't you? You you've seen how it worked against Duke, against uh Florida State, against uh against Clemson. Um yeah, and these are teams. I think those the the length thing is is a thing. Sure, um, they're struggling against teams that have always been that are longer. I think Louisville teams have kind of always had that weird thing. Yeah, I think so,
0: too. I think uh, it's funny you mentioned that because I've thought about that, too. I think it seems like that's always been our problem. I think we we recognize that a little bit more because Louisville plays Kentucky every year and they just happen (laughs) to generally be one of the most longest athletic teams every season. So that that might be a part of the reason why we notice that a little bit more. But yeah, do you have any tangible like basketball things that you think that Matt could try or do over the course of the next three to four games just to see what that it may help any. I do have one, um, but it's kind of out there. And I'm just curious if you have any.
1: I think just underlining playing inside out. I think that's how this team has played its best basketball. I think when I, I one thing I've really missed, Chris, and we talked about it several episodes ago, I've really missed the pick and roll. That was something Kristen Cunningham was so good at doing during that run in January. He was him and Malik Williams. That's what Malik Williams was so great at running the pick and roll with Kristen Cunningham. And I miss that a ton. I I don't know where that went. And I see it every single, I saw it every single time against Virginia. Virginia was able to capitalize against Louisville when the, Bigs were were cheating out, sort of how you do in the pack line. And Louisville could never once take advantage of that against Virginia. And I said, Why aren't you looking every time, why aren't you looking for the big man off the off that two seconds where, where the big guy yeah, cheats th- the pack I line? I think they and got they it a few
0: times. It. I think they may have got it once or twice in yeah, the first half, but they definitely didn't try it all
1: in the second half. And I just didn't understand especially when we were having all these problems in one on one play. Like why wasn't that why wasn't that something like just try it? So I think I mean, if the, I'm going to say the, one the, thing. I, if I'm Chris Mack, I'm going to say get twos, get try and get twos, try and get fouled. You can get to the line. We shoot great at the line, get to the line. And if you see someone open in the corner, then maybe get it to them. But try and get points from the inside out. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, the, I miss that. I miss that.
0: The numbers bear that out. Like I said, I mean, their usage rating for Christian Cunningham uh, in conference play is lower than Kwan 4, which is kind of remarkable to me, um, but it is the case. Um, Yeah. So I, I think getting as weird as it sounds as we just spent t- 10 minutes talking about some of the burden that Christian can has had to bear getting him involved in the offense a little bit more would help this team tremendously because there's not a lot of good passers on this team. I think Ryan McMahon might be the second best passer on this team. And that's not really a compliment to Ryan man, to be honest with you. Um, that's just, it's, it's not the,
1: no. Yeah. And, and, and listen, it, like, when, and I'm not trying to, uh, you know, Ryan McMahon has been a spark plug for this team while we're talking about him here. But if he's, if he's missing shots, Chris got to pull him. Like that's yeah. what he's on. the He's on there to stretch the floor. If he, you can't give him four or five opportunities to try and get hot, when we're losing so much on the defensive end, I just would rather have Quan four there. If he's missed it, if Ryan has missed his first two or three threes, I'm not going to give him another five minutes to try two or three more times.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm here for three guard lineups at times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's, that's my outline thing that I <laughs> wanted to see just for the spurts against matchups that work. And it probably wouldn't work with Ryan McMahon at the two. You'd probably have to go Darius at the two yeah. and Kawan four at the three. And yeah. then uh, Nawara or Wara, sorry. And <laughs> then maybe Malink Williams at the five. Um, but I don't know. That was a really weird thing. I was thinking just to see with how shaky this team has been when, when teams make runs, if that could just be like a tourniquet thing that could kind of get their confidence back to two to three minutes, because I think at this point you'll try anything.
1: I I completely agree. I think it's uh it's something worth trying. Uh, So Chris, I think we've, we've talked enough about what's wrong enough about what we're tired of seeing. I think uh, a good question as we try and wrap this thing up is, do you think it's going to get fixed, and when? <laughs> I mean,
0: fix is going to be a pretty loose term because I don't right. know that we're going to be able to know if it's fixed. I don't think anyone expects them to go to Charlottesville and win. I would be happy if that game's respectable, quite frankly. Um, I think you lose to Boston College; it's a it's a problem. I think you lose to Notre Dame; it's panic level ten. So I don't think. Uh, let me say
1: I don't think they're going to lose to Notre Dame. I, no, really I don't I, think that I
0: think they'll beat Boston College in Notre Dame. I do think that I firmly believe that I think Boston College is talented. I think they're improved, but I think they'll win that game. Um, just one thing. Think, yeah.
1: Like, no, you know, just One ahead. thing I'm looking at in Boston College, I was taking a look at Kai Bowman. He's had a really rough go of it the past like five games. He went two for 12 from the uh, from two um, against Clemson two nights ago, uh, two from eight. Uh, against NC state Uh, he's been really off the past few games. So I I don't know if that means he's overdue or, you know, he's, he's literally the type of guy who's playing 40 minutes a game over and over and over. So maybe the miles for him are kind of uh, fatigue is an issue maybe for him. Um, So I think that's one thing to watch and why I kind of feel a little bit better uh, about Louisville going up uh, to Boston. Yeah. I mean, they have, they have him and they have Chapman and anytime Louisville
0: has athletic guards, it's going to be something that makes you pause yeah. or they're playing against athletic guards. It's going to be something that makes you pause point blank like, period. Um, but I feel good about that game. I just do. I do. I don't want to entertain the conversation of Louisville seriously losing to them because I just don't think it's very realistic. And, um, that that's honestly how I feel. So, yeah.
1: and Chapman and, and, just also looking at him, he didn't play against Clemson. I don't know if he's, uh, I don't know if he's oh, okay. just noticed that. Um, so another another safe. thing to consider. Yeah,
0: for sure. And then I mean, you go into the ACC tournament, and I guess there are seven seed right now. Um, so that yeah, would be it a seems first guy. Like-
1: yeah, it seems like uh, there is an outside chance of them uh, falling into that fifth position where they could play a Virginia Tech or a um, or a Florida State, another Florida State uh, rematch. You know, potentially get some revenge there. But that does also appear to be sort of they're going to need some help. Uh, a yeah. Florida State has some tough games ahead, I believe. Uh, but Virginia Tech, it's it's a it's a much much less uh, hard road for them so yeah as it as it goes right now louisville would be the seventh seed they would play unc the second seed um they would play the winner of bc and Pittsburgh. great they the win their
0: first game yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah yeah bc and pittsburgh i'm not too worried about uh i mean we could play bc for a third time that would be really fun um obviously you kind of hope that you get to that five position. I mean, losing to Syracuse made that very, very, very difficult. Yeah. Um, I mean, being
0: in the, the, there's a pretty distinct difference between that seventh, um, and the sixth position, even because you look at having to play Virginia or Duke. And then instead of playing one of them, you could fall down to playing North Carolina, who's happens to be playing as well as anybody in the country right now, but at least you have beat them. So, I mean, there is yeah. that, but.
1: there is that, there is that, that, um, so kind of so you you're you think two and one the next two games
0: I think yeah I mean I think it's it's going to be really hard to even really get a pulse on this team (laughs) Um, unfortunately I would love to love to say that they're going to have a lot of answers but I don't think you're really going to know until that that second game in the ACC tournament granted they get there Um, I I think the Virginia game you can get a little bit of a feel for it but if they go and beat by 12 if they go and get beat by 12 or 15 against Virginia I'm not really going to come on here and do a podcast and say that (laughs) This team is falling apart because I mean, I completely expect that to happen. So it's not not that it's going to be a uh, certainly it wouldn't be a good thing, but I don't think it would be a disastrous thing. So I I, I do think two and one um, is is how they'll go. And we'll see, man, Um, this is going to be a team that Vegas is probably going to have a fit with going into the (laughs) tournament because I'm not sure that you really know how to uh, know how to put a pulse on them right now.
1: I'm with you there. I think they go two and one. I think they win their first game um, in the ACC tournament. I think they'll, they'll play sort of one of those grub teams. And then, you know, I could see them really given a, really given a run to a, a UNC. I, c- I could see them. If it's Virginia, I'd honestly feel better about it. To be honest yeah. with you, I think playing them, uh, you know, I think, they're going to be in a good situation. They could be in a situation with Virginia that people, you're uh, talking about the ACC tournament In the ACC tournament. I think they're going to be in a situation in Virginia, uh, that they'll probably lose by 10 plus points, you know, maybe 15, 20 points at at Charlottesville. Um, so maybe Virginia is not as worried about Louisville going into the ACC tournament. Maybe, um, I could see them and I, I don't know if they win, but I could definitely see them making, making some noise as we, as we like to say, which, in which
0: would be great because I would still be able to say that my prediction of them beating Virginia once this year was right. I just, <laughs> just didn't say in the ACC tournament. So yeah, the, the, yeah. The, no, I, there's
1: that too. I think Virginia is the team I'd be, I, I, cause I think the things that went wrong against Virginia in uh, in this most recent game are more fixable than the things that went wrong against That's- North UNC, if that makes sense. James Worthy just called Rajon Arano detrimental to the team.
0: So
1: <laughs> I was that. gonna read you. I was gonna yeah. read you a Braun quote on the way out, but of course, before we get there, I just want to say, and of course, the NCAA tournament. It's it's what it could be anything. It, it's all yeah. about the seating. It's all about that. You don't need us to tell you that if you're listening. Um, but yes, let me read you. Go ahead. Do you have an, uh, before you
0: get to that? Sorry. Do you have any Oscars, Oscars takes about anything? Because <laughs> like I didn't even I, I'm pretty mad about myself because I didn't even realize it was going on last night. I had zero clue. I was off Twitter. I was off the radar. And then I <laughs> oh, read and saw a few things happen. Um, obviously saw the Lady Gaga stuff um, with Bradley tried, Cooper. But yeah, beyond I that, I don't really, really have much of an opinion. So I was curious if you had any any. No. takes. On-
1: um, I have a few, but I, I want to say like, I'm a little proud of myself for my uh, I had a tweet. It was uh, a re, it was Glenn Close's reaction when she lost the best actress award, which she was like literally Chris, like minus 500 on Bavada. Like <laughs> 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 it was like a guaranteed win for her. And so she just makes this like smirking face. And I just tweeted when Louisville blows a lead. And it's just like, yeah, it just <laughs> happened what what the what the fuck are you gonna do um so that was i'm proud of myself for that when i got some fake internet points there uh, nice. i i saw half the movies i saw uh, that were nominated for best picture let me say so i saw black panther i saw black klansman i saw a star is born and i saw bohemian rhapsody we can uh, all agree that's the worst of the group there i would say bohemian rhapsody yes yes no i agree i think the last 20 minutes of the movie are really fun i i I always say this about biopics is that the or music biopics is that the concerts are the worst part and the concerts in that movie are the best part of the movie which is just it's not that often that you get a music movie where that's the case about musicians so uh, credit do word is there i'm a big fan of mr robot so i i appreciate rami malik i thought he did fine for a guy who didn't have to sing. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. He had the motions of Freddie Mercury down pat. I think he did. Uh, I think the fact that that movie got best uh, editing, best video editing. Oh God. Yeah. I saw that video. That's like, if you haven't seen on Twitter, a bunch of people have posted versions of one scene where queen meets their, uh, their, their big manager, their first big manager for the first time in like, a in a cafe on the side of a river. And the amount of times that the camera cuts is like, in a a minute, two minute span is fifty one times. It Anyone in video should times. watch that video. You should like, go look up. Yeah, look it up on Twitter. Say uh, like Bohemian Rhapsody editing video, because it, there just cuts to people in that scene for no reason there are cuts made while people are talk of t- are talking of the same person like freddie mercury will start talking and it'll be a, a shot of his face straight on and then it'll be a shot of his face from like the back it didn't make any sense <laughs> and like you're like what yeah Is it was this absolutely it's absurd it's 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 worth like it's a minute 50 seconds and worth your time so i recommend that um My green book take, even though I haven't seen the movie, I think if the person who is the subject of your movie's family says this isn't true about my (laughs) brother, that's really sketchy. That's my green book take. Not having seen the movie, I've been told I've been told for all intents and purposes. It's an entertaining movie. If you ignore the fact that it's about a white person teaching a black person how to be black um (laughs) um, uh, and you know it's a buddy comedy and and if you can if you can get past all the other things apparently it's a fun time i haven't seen it i will eventually see it. i'm not shutting it out but yeah i think it's really sketchy if this guy's brother said my brother was the best man in my wedding a year after this movie took place (laughs) i have the (laughs) <laughs> like he we were still really good family this is all lies so i definitely was a little sketched out by that um but i don't know it was a weird year for movies i freaking loved a star is born i loved black panther i really enjoyed black clansman even though i don't think it's a it's one of spike lee's best movie i am a big spike lee fan i think it is a, a good probably his best movie in like Tennis years, maybe. That seems like it was one of the better better movies he's came
0: out with since at least I've graduated high school, which is 2010. Yeah. So I, I think that's that's kind of the I saw it and I thought it was great. Um, I, I would put it. I think you you had Black Panther ahead of it, but
1: I'd put it right next to it personally. I saw it the night before the Oscars, and I was just like. I was like, wow, there's just a lot. And I think for this period of time, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, Spike definitely meant it to be prescient. I think there are some issues with it. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Just looking at, yeah, I think it's probably his best movie since inside man, which is 2006. He hasn't yeah. really had a good movie in a while, man. That's rough. Um, I didn't enjoy Chirac. So don't get me started on that one. Yeah. I'm kind of a Spike Lee head. So I'll kind of, I'll kind of say that, but yeah. Um, no, yeah, so we just, like, talked five minutes about the Oscars. So, yeah, I got Oscars takes. That's fun. You, did you got anything to say about it? I kind of the um, like Oscars. I'm an Oscars guy. No, dude, like,
0: other than just being, honestly, not being very keyed in with the Oscars this year, like, I've typically been in the past, kind of, for me, tells me how weird of a year it was for movies, um, because I think Black Panther happened, like, early in the year, and it just kind of, like, for me, I just I just felt that there wouldn't be much things bigger than this. I think there were problems with Black Panther that I didn't think it was, you know, the greatest film that I've ever seen or anything like that. But for what it was and what it represented and everything else, I just didn't think there would be anything bigger than this. So it kind of just I tuned out a little. And there was like a
1: minute. There was like a minute where Uh Black Panther won two big awards and I was like oh my God, it's black or not two big awards, but it was like two of the technical awards. And I was like, oh, is Black Panther going to do this? And I even kind of looked, I looked at the live betting, which they have live betting for this, which is crazy. And I remembered I put like $2 on Black Panther and it was like two, like 25 to one. And then it had fallen all the way to seven to one. Oh, Lord. And I was like, oh, my God, people really think Black Panther is making a run during this as as much as you can make a run during an Oscar ceremony. It was making the run. Um, I haven't seen Roma yet. Being a semi Spanish speaker, I know that's kind of a sin. My mom didn't love it, though, which is never a good sign. If my mom was like, ah, oh, it's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> she said it was too slow, which uh, she likes slower movies. I tend to uh, she, she tends to like some of the movies I don't like. So I was kind of floored that she hated it or she she just didn't enjoy it as much as as some of the critics did. Uh but yeah, no, it was it was interesting. It was an interesting night. I I just I think those things are fun because it's like we don't have any moments where everyone's just kind of thinking about the same thing at the same time. No, so yeah, I've I mean, been that I, shit.
0: I think those those are the type of events that Twitter is like built for. It's built. For uh, it. I spent yeah. most of my Oscars night watching Train to Busan. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. Um, it's I have not. But I've heard a- incredible things. It's one of the I'm not even in a, into zombie movies like that, mm-hmm. but it is probably it, it, Yeah, I would say it is the best zombie movie I've ever seen. I don't really have the highest <laughs> bar um, for those type of movies, but I, I think it was. It's tremendous. So anyone should check out that movie. Do you have Korea, this man. LeBron James quote for me?
1: Yeah. So here's a LeBron James quote that I, I think is pretty hilarious. Um, if you're still allowing distractions to affect the way you play. This is the wrong franchise to be a part of, and you should come in and just be like, "quote Listen, I can't do this." End quote. Oh boy, he's
0: he's he's post post injury Kobe. That's it's it. Post injury Kobe. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's him. Yeah, that's he's he's around all these young kids, and he's just like, I don't even want to fucking be here, dude. Like <laughs> that. <then.
1: laughs> I also have a great tweet in front of me that's uh a, uh, a picture of a trash bag next to the Disney channel logo. If, and uh, if you're a, a kid, our age, you'll understand what this means. Um, it says I'm LeBron's defensive effort and you're watching Disney channel. <laughs> <laughs> And the Honestly, the, like, the bag of trash is holding like a, a magic wand it, again. If you watch Disney Channel in your our age, you'll know what we're talking about here. Um, this is so kind of the first say. like
0: Lakers disaster that we've really seen unfold on Twitter. Like it, it like. Because there was this high expectations and the Steve Nash, you know, Dwight Howard thing happened while Twitter was around. Yes, but it wasn't NBA Twitter as we know it now. So it's it's almost been a little in a weird way enjoyable for me because it's just been so freaking hilarious to be in like the inner worlds of of NBA Twitter while this is going on. Like there are so many just brilliant creative people who uh, Yeah make me laugh very hard and I'm and very are just, and
1: are talking also just like smartly about the game. It's it's a fantastic time. But like even not to not to spend the next thirty minutes talking about the the Lakers, but Chris, I mean you kind of expected this was coming, right? You've been like you for about a month, you I mean I don't. I don't Be know much. how much you expected Anthony Davis to 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 them to make the trade for Davis. But I think even if they make the, that huge trade for Davis, I think they're in the same position where they don't have enough guys. So when I, I when I heard Rich Paul
0: just say, "You, yo, bro, you sure this is the right move?" <laughs> um, that was really all I needed to hear. I, I didn't really expect it to go well, and I'm honestly. Again, I'm back to the same place that I have been with L.A. for a little while. Is I think that Magic Johnson gets a pass and will always get a pass. And I just think that's an unfortunate reality. I really I do.
1: I agree. I, I think, think it, I think the issues with this team, like I said, this like I I don't know what Magic Johnson was thinking at the beginning of the season when he put this team together. Because it wasn't like you had
0: like a, a group of like, you know, it wasn't like 75, 25 yeah. percent. You didn't have people out here saying, well, this could work. This is why it could work. No, nobody was (laughs) saying that. Even Lakers fans weren't saying that they were too busy telling you how they were going to get Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, and Anthony Davis all on one team in two weeks. (laughs) They weren't telling you how the team as it sets right now would work because no one thought it would. Um, Just just go get Chris Middleton. Do something like <laughs> I don't even freaking care at this point. I just want something that is better than an eight seed and NBA playoffs. That's, I, that's yeah. What. I don't think they're making the playoffs, Chris. I no, I, I'd be fine with them not making it this year. But if you just uh, let's just talk about next year. I mean, no, nah, uh, right. honestly, uh, changes soon enough will happen. Um, it
1: is uh, what it is. I'm sure I we'll talk about it plenty. Uh, yeah. And with that, I think we'll have to wrap this thing up. Um, I need some water. You need some water. Uh, uh, One more time, I wanted to let everyone know Friday, um, www.twitter.com slash R slash all hail, A-L-L-H-A-I-L. I will be on there doing an AMA. Please ask questions if you uh, if you've never participated in AMA. Uh, It's a lot of fun. It's a good opportunity to talk uh, about Louisville basketball, about Louisville sports. I'll be there trying to answer questions as best as possible. Again, want to thank those guys for helping me get it set up. And um, any last words, Chris, before we wrap this thing up?
0: No, man, I think we covered it. Take care, guys. Uh, we covered for it
1: all. Go Cards. Thanks, guys. Hopefully uh, we ha- it's a little happier next time we, we give this thing a, a go. You guys take care.